What happens when you're finally removed from an unsafe family or situation, but it wasn't the happy ending you thought it was going to be? Today, I invited my former client, Wendy Hayes, who is the author of The Heart That Silence Built, to talk about the complexities of abandonment wounds, what it was really like being adopted and going through the system, and so many light bulb moments that I know you're going to love, right after this intro. Hi, I'm Gloria Zhang, and after 10 years of struggling in toxic relationships, I attracted the love of my life by healing my inner child. This podcast is your weekly dose of my expertise as a therapist and dating relationship coach for high achievers. Learn tips to overcome low self-worth, emotional baggage, and childhood trauma so that you too can step into your power and attract the love you desire. Welcome to the Inner Child Podcast. Hello, Wendy, and welcome to the Inner Child Podcast. I'm so excited to finally have you on here. Hi, Gloria. I'm really excited to be here. I've been listening to it for a while. so <laughs> Yes, a different kind of conversation today, for sure. For those listening, tell us who you are and what is it that you are passionate about? Yeah. Oh, gosh, so many things. My name is Wendy. Professionally, I do marketing and branding work, but that's not really what I want to talk about today. So really what I'm passionate about is the brain and trauma and adoption and child welfare and really making experiences of those things better for young people who come into the system later than I have. So I consider myself a first voice advocate, which just means I speak on behalf of my lived experiences and involved in lots of things to help make the system better for young people who come after. Thank you for such a beautiful introduction, Wendy. And of course, we are here to talk about your beautiful book that has just come out. And I just want to ask you, first of all, what inspired you to take that leap and finally put these poems out into the world? Mm -hmm. So The Heart That Silence Built is a pretty big deal for me. It's the title of my poetry anthology, and it's actually a collection of work written between the ages of 12 and 30. So when I first published it, people were like, you wrote a book? And I was like, not really. I kind of just went through all my poems and put them in one <laughs> place. But really what inspired me, well, a big part of it was therapy <laughs> with you. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of healing work and working through, you know, identity pieces, that was a really big part of it. But also just a little bit of kind of coming into my own. And I always thought about publishing a book, but always thought I wouldn't because everything I wanted to write about, there were people in my life who weren't ready to hear it. They're still not ready to hear it. <laughs> But I was like, you know what? It's time. And I had a really beautiful community of support at that time who were very validating to some very difficult experiences I had with my adoption journey. And that really helped me to finally put this out in the world. The response to it and the reception of it has been really, really beautiful. I'm so grateful to my community for rallying around it and you know, telling me it means something to them and it resonates with them. And so it was really kind of this coming together of my own personal work, the support of my community, and just realizing that I can't always wait for someone else's schedule. And I've been doing that for long enough. And it was time to be myself and live my truest, authentic life. Yes, the truth is here. And oh my goodness, Wendy, you know, I really want to emphasize this for those listening, because you speak so much about 
how adoption and happy endings, it's very much glorified. And I feel like even in general society, we think of adoption as this happy ending. But you're sharing a different perspective that most people have never heard of before, Wendy. So for those listening, what are those unspoken truths about adoption that is something that you're breaking the silence on? Sure. It's true that a lot of people view adoption as a happy ending. And without sharing too much of my personal story, that's certainly how my adoption was viewed. We tend to see adoption as a solution to a problem. This is something we're talking a lot more about in adoption spaces. And so there's this problem, quote unquote, of young people who have been taken away from their families of origin, usually for some kind of safety concerns or maybe concerns around neglect. Oftentimes these families are impoverished. You know, they're struggling with their own mental health and trauma. And then the protective agency will come in, apprehend the children. Then we have this problem of young people kind of under government care and in foster homes and group homes. And without getting too much into that, we know those experiences are not very positive. We know the outcomes of young people leaving and transitioning out of the child welfare system can be quite negative. Child welfare is a huge pipeline into homelessness, poverty and other systems of violence, like the criminal system. And so we kind of have this idea that if we can find a family for the young person, we're going to fix all those issues, right? And they're going to have their family and everything's going to be taken care of and we've solved the problem. But (laughs) humans are not that simple. (laughs) And adoption is on a continuum of experiences of trauma from this kind of experience in life where you don't grow up with your family of origin. That's traumatic. We tend to think that all the trauma happens before the adoption, but we carry it with us into that experience. And so if parents of adoption aren't able or don't get access to the kind of education and support they need, they don't know how to parent a traumatized child. And that can compound the issues because it looks very different from some of the kind of Western acceptable parenting versions that we have. And so we think, okay, adoption solved this problem, but really it's on the continuum of these traumatic experiences we have and continues to impact us, particularly around our identity formation. You know, there's research on what we call the seven core issues of adoption. Identity is a big one that's part of that. And really what this book talks about is the impact of not having all of these very difficult but very necessary conversations and how that's formed me as a person. And my adoption journey, not just what came before it, helped make that part of who I am. And so adoption is part of that journey. It's part of that trauma. It's on a continuum. And we have to start looking at it that way because when we look at it as a solution, we're too afraid to scare people off by asking hard questions. And that's not doing anyone any help because while we don't have stats in Canada for this, we know adoptions disrupt or break down later in life. And so by avoiding these difficult topics, We're putting blinders on and hoping that maybe it just won't come up or maybe if we don't talk about it, we won't have to feel it or deal with it. Um, But what we know is that it's still leading to breakdowns in these families. And so we're not helping the parents or the families. We're not helping the children. We're not helping the professionals. And everyone's really let down by this idea that if we just find a home, everything will be taken care of. I can even see this in Hollywood stories too, Wendy, this notion that We're going into rescue and save these children from horrible homes, right? And then that's almost like a white knight kind of feeling. 
But how does that really feel for a lot of adoptees who now had a big part of their life just erased? I love that you brought that up because one of my favorite books is The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls, I believe. Mm-hmm. Recently, I watched the movie and I was actually really, really impressed with how well the movie translated this core theme of the book. And what I feel like that book really captures is a really complex relationship with a caregiver who you love deeply and who has had moments of being able to take care of you, but also moments of struggle that have made them not a safe parent for you. But that's not something as a child you, I don't want to say you don't care about it, but you don't look at it that way. It's your parent. And so I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that when young people come into care or are adopted, we look at this huge part of their life as something we've saved them from. And that puts us in a place where we're not allowing them to grieve. And there's a theme in my book, you know, it's recurring and it's kind of this idea that I'm always half of myself. And that's something that's really resonated with adoptees that have read it. And so I think that that relationship to all of the stuff that happened before is more complex than just we saved you from a bad thing. Way more complex than that. And, you know, we also have to consider intergenerational trauma and the struggle that our parents had as children and the help they should have received that they didn't. But then we just kind of abandon them and say, you were a bad parent. We're going to find better parents. That is a highly arguable fact (laughs) that that actually happens. But, you know, it's like this idea that, well, you know, they weren't safe for you or they didn't take care of you from the society's perspective, right? Society's perspective is they weren't good parents. But your perspective as a child is I love this human being who did okay taking care of me a lot of the time. And that's certainly my experience. And, you know, everyone has a different experience with their families of origin. There's definitely situations where contact doesn't make sense, but it's still such a big part of our identity that we have to reflect on and talk about and process and grieve that we've lost it regardless of what it was or what other people see it as. And this would be a whole other conversation. As you know, I've worked in the system too, and there's just such a history, racist origins too, of yes, children being removed from Indigenous homes. And that's a whole other mm-hmm. can of worms there. Sure, and so yeah. there's definitely a lot of history there. An interesting fact about our child welfare system is that When it was originally formed, it was based off animal welfare systems. Mm. And so when they created like child protection services, they kind of based it on this idea of like, we were trying to solve a different problem. Again, this idea of solving a problem of finding children for adults who weren't able to conceive. And so that's a completely different Mm. ballgame that focuses on someone else's different needs, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of acknowledging that history there, we can kind of see how a lot of the policy and practices, where they came from, no one meant to do it. It's just kind of evolved this way. Well, I don't know. No one meant to do it is also probably arguable. But I do believe a lot of people who work in the system have good intentions. And it's just learning and listening that we need to be incorporating more of. Because there's a difference between what everyone around me thinks is best for me and what I want and how I feel and what I need. Yes. And you said that so eloquently, Wendy. I love the perspective that you're sharing on how children just see themselves and the person that they love without revealing the book, because I think everyone should grab a copy of this book. You do share some beautiful poems about safe people in your life that were unexpectedly so, 
but also unsafe people that were supposed to be safe. And so what do you want people to know about what a safe person really means? What does safety really mean to someone who has been thrown into the system? I would actually love to read that poem if that's okay. Yes, of course. Okay, awesome. Yeah, no, I'm definitely happy to share a few teachers. So people know what they're getting into when they buy the book. (laughs) But yeah, so it's a kind of weird story. So I'll try not to make it too long. But basically in child welfare, you live in a foster home or a group home. And for myself personally, I had ongoing visits with my biological mom. And basically what happened was if the foster parents can't drive you or the group home staff or your worker can't drive you to a thing, we had volunteer drivers. And so these volunteer drivers drove us around in their cars. And you can imagine spending a lot of time in a car with someone opens up a lot of opportunity to speak. One of the key moments on my journey was when my sibling was adopted. And I had what we called a goodbye visit with our biological mom. And so it was the last time, arguably, that would be a family together, right? That's a really big moment in a young person's life, I think. It was a significant moment in my life. And so I'm going to read this poem about my driver who drove me to and from that visit. And it was someone I had a relationship with already. He'd already driven me lots. So I'm going to read it, and then I'll talk a little bit about and answer the question. So this poem is called The Hardest Day. On the hardest day, you were the only one who saw me. On the hardest day, they sent me back to school. They sent me back to school as if nothing had happened. A footnote in the notes of my worker, unmentioned by my caregivers, unrecognized by my new life, alone without my mother, too wrapped up in her own grief, called lucky for missing geography, called delinquent for missing geography. Who the fuck cares about geography when there is no ground beneath my feet? This funeral, that nobody would call a funeral, that nobody would let me mourn or scream or cry or just end. Everything stopped and everything kept going, but not you. You sat here with me in this empty car where she used to be with me, in this empty life where she used to be with me. It shouldn't have even been you, but I guess no one else cared enough to give me a lift to the funeral. You were the only one who wore black. You were the only one who stopped. You were the only one who said, this isn't fair and I'm here for you as long as you need. You who listened to my poems. You who kept coming back for the one nobody cared about. You saw me. Maybe because you yourself had just been to a funeral. Death took you from me, from this world. And they told me I wasn't supposed to mourn you either that you weren't important enough. But all the supposedly important people weren't there for me on the hardest day. This was something that I never got to say for you, so I will say it for myself and hope that just maybe you can hear it too. Thank you. The gift you gave me on the hardest day has carried me through all the days that have followed it. I can't say for sure that I would be here without you. You who saw me when nobody else would look. Thank you. 
Hey, Bessie, just a quick message before we get back to the show. Are you a high achiever or entrepreneur who's thriving in your career but really struggling in your love life? You sound just like I was. I help high achievers just like you break the pattern of toxic relationships through inner child healing so that you can attract and create the secure life partnership of your dreams. Message me the words high achiever to learn about joining soulmate at by Gloria Zhang on Instagram or apply directly on my website by Now back to this episode. Thank you, Wendy. To answer the question. I mean, there was all these people in my life who were supposed to be taking care of me. Yeah, there were all these people who were designated to be the important people to take care of me. And I'm throwing air quotes up around all of these words, like this entire sentence um, that didn't even give me a drive to this incredibly traumatic experience and didn't think to not let me go home after, just sent me back to school as if it was a regular visit. And my driver pulled over and he said, I can't believe they're doing this. I have made sure I have no drives after this. You can sit in this car for as long as you want. I will tell them there was traffic, even like going as far to be like, I'll make sure they think it's my fault so that you don't get in trouble. And it was just this incredibly attuned gesture from someone who probably on the outside looking in would think wasn't a significant person in my life. And yet no one else was as attuned to me to be able to provide that space, including eventually my adoptive parents. Right. And so this idea of, you know, adoption will fix it. Unfortunately, because my parents didn't have the capacity or the education, they weren't as in tune to me as even this one driver was. And so all of these things that need to be seen and held and recognized in my experience, I don't need anyone to fix it. I just need someone to hold it with me. And that's what I need. And that can be very hard for parents and people responsible making decisions for their child's life because they're kind of directly responsible. So I think that's why a lot of the blinders go up and the we don't want to talk about the hard things happens. And if we don't talk about it, it'll just go away. That's not the way it works. Wendy, thank you so much for sharing that for many reasons. That's one of my favorite pieces of your work for so many reasons. And I'm honored that you were willing to share that with us, grace us with it. Thank you. Thank you. And I think you've described safety so perfectly. At the end of the day, it's not even about checking off boxes, but it's just being there, right? And seeing, and that is so beautiful. Thank you. And of course you have healed so much, Wendy, and done so much work to get here. What has healing your own inner child been like? And what parts of you when you were little have you been able to revive and bring back into your life? Mm-hmm. It's been work, it's been a journey, I think. I'm starting to see it as an ongoing journey and something that I'm going to build capacity around living with rather than, you know, get over or never feel again. And so a lot of what I've been doing is even rethinking my childhood. We've been doing this work in therapy where I kind of realized I remember everything from my childhood with my grown up adult brain. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, that happened to my childhood developing brain. That's not good. So just like kind of (laughs) re-acknowledging like the impact of these things which because of my hobbies and passions, I kind of already know like trauma stays in your body, but then I forget to apply it to my own life and it's like to do it. (laughs) Um, But 
you know, rethinking some of those pieces and realizing that I'm feeling or remembering that with my adult brain and not really processing it, embracing that. It's been getting in touch with my creativity again. It's funny because my partner was looking through some of my old drawings and he was like, I can't believe you don't do art anymore. And you told me you can't draw. These drawings are so good. Like, what are you talking about? So I've been trying to get in touch with my creativity, my spirituality, my authentic self. When I was reflecting on what I was like as a kid, I realized I really haven't changed that much. (laughs) Um, Like really at my core being, I was like, I think I've always kind of been this way, how I am in, in some ways and kind of acknowledging that that's been retained and actively celebrating my origin story. And my family of origin, which again, because of my adoption, I've been told is not worthy, right? And I write about this in my book and the acknowledgements. My biological mother gave me so many beautiful gifts. She gave me the gift of just being in wonder of nature and spending time in nature and taking accountability. I was looking through all these old letters from my childhood and some of them are letters from my mom just saying things like, your mom's been bitchy lately. I'm sorry. Or don't listen to me. I'm talking crazy. And so, you know, for all her faults or quote unquote challenges that we had, there was always a level of apology there and willing to be accountable even to a child, which I think is really big. I think I learned that from her. Just like a child, like I'll look at mountains and I can just sit there and look at them and enjoy that. And I don't know a lot of people it's like, you kind of look and it's like, oh, it's beautiful. And then you kind of keep going. But I actually just like love being in the presence of nature and mountains and can get really childlike excited about the simple things. Yeah. So it's been a lot of that kind of stuff, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Reconnecting. I love that. Love, love, love that. We're going to go down the nostalgia memory lane here. What were some (laughs) like shows or movies or songs that you loved dearly from your childhood that you remember? Yeah. So I was obsessed with Avril Lavigne. Um, oh my gosh! The whole... <laughs> oh wait, we've, we've talked about this. I remember. <laughs> yes, yeah, we have. Yeah, I did the whole. Album. I started wearing ties. Yeah, I started wearing ties. I started trying to learn how to skateboard. That was a really big part of my childhood. I loved Sailor Moon, and my mom would always call her Sailor Goon because she cried so much, and it would make me so mad. <laughs> oh, gosh. And that's how she would tease me. Is I loved Sailor Moon. And I actually remember being really obsessed with the movie Anastasia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I love Anastasia. And officially a Disney princess now, right? Because they bought the mouse. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because just this past year, I bought like her dress and like her sweater. So I was like, I'm just going to make my little inner child happy and buy these <laughs> things and love this movie. And she has a necklace that I purchased also. <laughs> that one was really big. I remember going to the video stores. Yes. I guess it's not that old, but it feels so long ago. Um, And I would go to the video store and obsessively rent Anastasia over and over and over again and watch it. It's also funny because on TikTok, a lot of people say it's like (laughs) a bisexual awakening movie. (laughs) It's like all these movies that are like, if you were bi, you loved this movie. And that's why all your straight friends don't get you. (laughs) So that's kind of funny. So I definitely look back on that and wonder if it's contributed to my queerness at all. Uh, (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Those are some things that I like remember like really loving when I was a kid. Well, I guess we're the same. (laughs) We are very similar, I've noticed. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to have to rewatch Anastasia. She was also separated from her family, right? She was. 
Yeah, that's very nostalgic. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, Anastasia's pretty cool. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but she's an independent princess. She ain't waiting for no man to save her. <laughs> so, that's right. Without giving too much away. Also, if you like Kelsey Grammer and you're a Fraser fan, he's in it. So hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> oh, right. We forgot to talk about the giveaway. Oh, the giveaway. Yes. Yeah, we should do that. We're doing an Instagram giveaway. So after you listen to this, definitely head on over to Instagram. Go like that post and give Wendy a follow. What is your Instagram handle? Heart That Silence Built. Not the Heart That Silence Built, just Heart That Silence Built. (laughs) That one was already taken. (laughs) I didn't put the the in and I think it was a mistake because now everyone says my web handles, which includes my email, the Heart That Silence Built. And I was like, I should put the the in there, but I didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. We'll put a link in the show notes. (laughs) And what exactly are we giving away to a lucky listener? Yeah, so I'm really excited to be obviously giving away a copy of my book, The Heart That Silence Built. But I also recently collaborated with a local small business that has positive social impact. They employ at-risk and homeless youth, and they make jewelry. And so I've been obsessed with this jewelry company for so long. So when I was looking for things to like compliment my book. I reached out to them and I got some jewelry made by them and I am selling it alongside my book. And so I've got this beautiful gold necklace with three garnet stones on it. It's short. It's not a longer one. It's a shorter one, but it's made by at-risk and homeless youth. And it's actually signed by the person who made it. So it's kind of a nice little touch there. And I'm really excited to have been collaborating with them on getting some pieces together and hope to work with them again in the future as well. That's beautiful and exciting. So we have that to look forward to. Now, after I shared your book the first time, I already had folks reaching out saying that they were also adopted or they had been through big family separation at a young age. So I know that this episode is going to be very meaningful, Wendy. What advice might you give to someone listening who is perhaps struggling with their identity or is coming to terms with these things that you've just discussed about what it's really like to be separated from your family. That's a big one because there's so much that happens that's out of our control and our understanding when it happens. And I guess my big thing would be self-education has been such a big part of me even understanding what I was going through, right? I was very fortunate to work at the Adoption Council of Ontario for many years, And I actually learned all the pieces I need to understand what I was feeling. And you don't get that from mainstream media and and the stuff we've talked about, right? So really seeking out adoption specific and specifically adoptee voices that you can listen to and hear from and learn from and begin to understand your own experience. That's really helped me hearing other people's experiences and just validate yourself and try to acknowledge the way others have viewed your journey and how that's impacted the way you've viewed your journey. Because I think we tend to have people around us that try and soften the blow, but the blow is happening. And the only thing they're softening is their own comfort in not having to talk about it. So find people that will talk about these weird, complex, like there's things in there that are just like weird little things that like only another adoptee will get, you know, like we all have communities of people that we're surrounded by that when you talk to someone about it, there's something they just get because they've had a similar experience. So find other people, join networks, depending on your age. There's adult adoption networks and, you know, older youth adoption networks, lots of options out there. That would be really big. And 
kind of acknowledge it as gaslighting. You know, the world and everyone around you has told you that what's happened to you is a good thing and that you're not allowed to have any other feelings. So finding room to embrace the multiple truths of adoption is also very important. You know, being able to say, I love these people because I do love my adoptive parents. You know, they have provided for me in some ways. And I'm realizing that there's deep emotional needs that stem from my trauma that I need them to be able to hold that they can't. So find someone to help you hold that and explore that. I guess that would be my really big takeaways. I do feel that a lot of these themes are not just specific to child welfare or adoption. Anyone who has felt a sense of rejection from their family, I believe will resonate with this or had family separations like forces and new families and switching families and moving homes. It's all very complex stuff to deal with. And um, we don't often take the time to realize how big of an impact those things had on us in our childhood. So well said. And I completely agree. I know that just hearing be grateful for what you got, it's not good enough. No, it's really hard to hear that when there's so much more going on. Thank you for that fresh perspective, Wendy. I know that this will resonate with a lot of folks listening. Thank you so much for you know letting me share this. This is a conversation a lot of people don't want to have. A lot of people want to kind of file that away and think, no, let's keep that as just uh, what I understand it to be. So thank you for that being able to talk openly and honestly about that. Because another thing a lot of adoptees experience is their voices become unwelcome when they start talking about the challenges. I'm glad we can do that here. We're always shining a light (laughs) on stuff you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. I'm so happy for that, Wendy. Now, where can folks find you online or get a copy of your book? Yeah, online. You can find me at heartthatsilencebuilt.ca or on Instagram and Facebook at heartthatsilencebuilt. If you're interested at all professionally, I do branding and marketing work. So you can find me at wbrandmarketing on Instagram and Facebook or wbrandmarketing.ca is my website also if you're interested in that. Awesome. We will throw all the links below. Wendy, this was awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to share all of this with us. Thanks for coming on the show, Wendy. Well, thank you for the opportunity. If you love this episode, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. It really helps me a lot, so thank you. To join the community and get your daily dose of inner child tips, follow me on Instagram and social media at ByGloriaZang or visit ByGloriaZang.com. If you're a high achiever or entrepreneur who wants to work with me, message me the words high achiever and I'll get in touch. Thanks, bestie. See you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in, Bestie. I've got something for you. If you think this show deserves a five-star review, we'll send you my free Inner Child Starter Kit as a thank you for your support, which contains exclusive wallpapers and resources for you to download. To get your kit, just upload a screenshot of your review on Apple or Spotify to my webpage, bygloriazang.com slash reviews. The link is also in the show notes. There you can also check out my healing sessions and programs at bygloriazang.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and I will meet you in the next episode. Mwah!